Welcome back, everyone, to Merge Conflict, your number one source for stuff on the internet. I'm James Montemagno. With me is my co-host every single week, the one, the only Frank Krueger with his amazing balance bot, bringing a beer to him right now. How's it going, Frank? Ooh, thanks, James. Yeah, that is stuff on the internet. I posted a video of Balance Bot. I was very proud. Did you know that Balance Not Now has a feature called Balance, and it's actually working? And I was so proud of it. I added to the stuff on the internet. I first witnessed and beheld Balance Bot before my very eyes eighteen years ago when I first met Frank. <laughs> Balance Bot was such a small young lad and um, had a ways to go, and now. He's uh, grown up before our eyes and just wandering around town aimlessly. Yeah, yeah. And falling over into bushes, uh, stumbling over every little rock, and generally making me look like a fool. But no, it, it's, it's actually really fun because this is the Mark III. This is the third hardware build that I've done. And it's finally been robust enough that it can take a full face plant onto concrete and get up and keep working. So like that's one part I'm most I'm kind of pretty proud of. But the the fact that it can actually stand up most of the time, I'm also really proud of. I actually had a breakthrough watching YouTube. Isn't that weird? People, um, there are smart people on YouTube and I watched their videos and I was like, "Ooh, I'm making a mistake." And then I corrected my mistake and the robot worked. Imagine that. So you were watching a video on like other balance bots? Yeah, uh, my friend, hi, Greg, <laughs> was making fun of my bots because they don't balance, even though I was calling them balance bots. And he's like, look, even any random YouTuber can uh, <laughs> can get their bots to balance. And I was looking through the video. I was like, huh, this person's actually being really thorough. Maybe I actually will watch this video. So I sat down and watched five videos from this person. I should probably get some links now that I'm talking about it this much. Uh, but good news was they had a few little tips, some things that I was ignoring that I shouldn't have been ignoring. And once I fix those, balance bot balanced. Balance bonds is, is balancing. And you got 22,000 views of balance bot wandering around town. It's it's quite impressive. Oh, dodge the rock. Nice. Now you're controlling <laughs> this ba balance bot from something. Yeah. Yeah. This is manual controls. What I want to do is glue an iPhone to it mm. <laughs> and guide it with a vision system off of the camera. Yeah. But as of right now, I just uh, made a Bluetooth remote control. You'd be so proud of me. I learned how to connect a Bluetooth controller. So you, I gave it kind of like RC car controls forward, left, right, so you can drive it around. That's very cool. I'm very, very impressed, Frank. Our little, ooh, I'm just, it's so fun to watch like the last five seconds where BalanceBot almost falls over. Um, <laughs> that's really impressive. I remember early, early BalanceBot days and it's come a long way. And that's going to get us into our very first lightning topic today. This is episode 260, which means that it's Ooh. a divisible of div divisible dividing. Yeah. Divisible yeah. Divis divisor. <laughs> it's divisible. Oh, gosh, you ruined it for me now. Uh, uh, remainder of zero when you divide not it by 10. Yep. Let's go with that. Um, every 10 <laughs> episodes, we do lightning topics where we forget to ask you what we should talk about. So we tweet about it five seconds before we record. And all of you lovely, lovely listeners and patrons and people on our discord gave us some awesome topics. We try to spend five minutes each in and out of different topics. And I didn't even 
let Frank know what I pick. So I'm going to go ahead and just read all of them. Frank, you just sit back. You what? enjoy. You enjoy this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I liked my intros. You have all the practice with the good segues, but you know, I, I have one or two good ones per hundred episodes. That is accurate. All right. So let's get into it then. IoT. Matt wants to know, where do we get started? Is there a specific board that I should buy? Is like, how do I build my own balance bot? Like, what what, what should I do? What, what, what do I go on the IoT world there, Frank? Mm-hmm. That, it's a tricky one because there are um, divisions in the camps. Uh, we have the Amazon Echo series of services. We have the Google services. We have the Apple services. So it's kind of what camp do you want to buy into? And unfortunately, they're all pretty separate like that. You're in the Apple camp. Is that right, James? I'm in the no camp, man. What? I'm against your IoT. No, no IoT. No, no I'm, I'm against everything. I'm against all, all, all home automation. Uh, I'm against boo-hoo. all IoT. We don't have anything listening. No, you know, we have, um, we have, what do we have? I have a smart thermostat. Okay. And um, I don't know if that qualifies. And I got the security cameras and, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. You know, I used, I did the Googles for the while. I think Matt was actually asking about building an IOT device there, Frank, but Frank went all in on home automation. But so we'll we'll, we'll twist the question here. I went all in on the Googles for mm-hmm. a while, but then it's Google. So they, they got all my datas and you know, the Alexa, oops, the echoes, they, um, they got that sidewalk mode on, you know, that's an ever, everyone in the world is sharing internet. <laughs> Not me. I hope. Okay. It's on by I'll, default. I'll learn how to, they turn okay. it on for everybody. Can you believe that? Uh, no, thanks for telling me. I guess I have to go read some articles to find out exactly what that is. I don't mind sharing, James. I, I, I'm liberal minded. It's caring. Yeah, it is. So in terms of building your own, I, I've settled into the Amazon Echo line of services, uh, but mostly for uh, the simplicity of building individual electronics. And there's a trick I use. I pretend to be a Philips Hue light bulb. All my mm. electronics, all my electronics act like switches, but you can actually have dimming settings too. So you can have zero to a hundred kind of levels. And so anything I want to automate, I do through those kind of switches as the input. The convenience there is it just integrates with all the apps and everything. Now, of course, that doesn't work if you want to do temperature stuff and all that, but it works just great if you want to do a um, voice control of things and be uh, automation, because you can just start sending web requests. These are just HTTP requests that you're sending to the devices. So any little piece of hardware that you can run an HTTP server on, do a few little bit of tricks with um, broadcast DNS, um, bonjour, MDNS, that kind of stuff. You have to be able to do those little tricks. So basically any little piece of hardware. I personally love using the SB32 little cheap chip you can get on Amazon and make it do all this stuff. Yeah. That's a one that I think I used when I did my little IOT device, a little Bluetooth device for my cadence sensor, which is cool. Um, I also think that the echo Alexa SDK is really good from my understanding. Damien, who is one of our patrons and creative voice in the can, I was just creating a new version of it. 
that has the, it's called presentation language. So it actually shows different UI based on different things, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and, and he's, he's got a yeah. new version out that's looking really good. So I think their SDK is, is quite excellent. I never used the Google one though. Yeah, I haven't used the Google one either. I've used the Amazon one and I really liked it from C Sharp. I made, I think I open sourced it. It's called N Echo. And it was just a neat way that you could do conversational stuff with the Echo using a weight. So instead of just having a bunch of um, commands that you can react to, you can actually script out conversations and do branching and that kind of stuff. I really like the library. It was like a perfect fit for a weight. So I should release that library and talk about it more someday. That sounds cool. I I have really avoided doing much IoT development because one, I don't have a lot of IoT devices like we just talked about. Uh, anymore, at least I do actually have Philip Hughes. So that is a lie. I do have three. I used to have a lot more, but I got, I got over them. I'm just, uh, I don't just turn on my light. Just turn on the light bulb. Just hit the switch. I don't know. It's not the turning on. It's the turning off. I I really appreciate that. All my lights turn off at midnight. Um, and that when I'm leaving the house, I can just scream, turn everything off. And it's great. Yeah, that is true. I I enjoy that I can turn on the main light, which is not on hues, but then we have two hues on both sides of the bed. And that's pretty key because you want a bedside light to turn off without getting up. Um, I will say this before we go on to the next topic is I think I haven't gotten into it too much because I'm not a big fan of C development and Arduino <laughs> studio in general. Not my favorite. I need to get back into meadow development because it's all C sharp, all visual studio. We We both know you know, Brian. So, um, yeah. <laughs> we should, I should probably good get tech back support. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Good, good people. Good peoples. Yeah. The fun thing about the meadow is it has an SP 32 chip on it. Mm-hmm. So you can do all this stuff from it. I haven't personally myself, but it's technically possible. I just haven't done it myself. I like that. All right, here we go. Now this is going to be a throwback because I actually remixed the question here that Samir asked us in our discord, but only because I think that my my insertion of one word, I think, changes the game here. So this is from Samir. It says, what was your first, I inserted that word, million-dollar idea? <laughs> uh, shall I go first? Uh, I can go first if you do need to think. No, I, I have an answer. Uh, my first million-dollar idea, I've talked about it before. Imagine this, James. Live bus tracking in seattle so like you know like bus take twisty and turny things i i lived in a little bit of a dense city part so you could never see the bus coming you know some places you can see the bus coming from way up the road but i could never see it coming so i wanted a map to tell me when the bus was coming and i thought easily i mean the first week i would probably make a million dollars i would just have to figure out what to do with the other tens and hundreds of million dollars i would make after that you know well i mean one bus away does that frank this was before One Bus Away, oh. to my credit, and uh, One Bus Away did not have a fantastically rendered 3D map that had animes, animated buses on it, a vector map, just like Apple Maps is today, but it took them years to get there. I had it early on. That's true. One Bus Away is cool because when it, when we, when I first moved to Seattle, it was pretty new. They've expanded into other cities, too. Um, good idea. It's <clears throat> The problem is it's not... it's. It's real time, but not a hundred percent real time. I don't know exactly how it works and if it is GPS tracking or not every single bus. 
or routes. No. I think it's like check-in points, like when it passes nope. it or something, right? I'm not positive how it nope. works. <laughs> it's actually really funny. It's all mileage-based and guesswork. So the buses are broadcasting how far they've traveled. And depending on um, a few other little key bits of information, it decides what route they're on and therefore where they are on a map. It's funny because there are actually really many levels to it. I'm sorry, I'm going deep into bus stuff. Um, The server presents different APIs, but you can dig in deeper and deeper and get to more and more raw data. So what I was doing was collecting records over long amounts of time so that I could map out probabilistic events of the bus being traveling. But the updates were only about every eight minutes. So the trick was to do good interpolation for that eight minutes that the data wasn't updated. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was that's that's how it worked. I was gassed, but now I know someone that knows. I'm sure uh, GPS is a common. Uh, and this I've worked on this app. Uh, hmm, Jeepers, ooh, 10 years ago. So maybe they actually do have proper GPS these days. <laughs> It'd be cool if they did. But I do I do like the mileage thing. That makes a lot of sense. So Based yeah, on the it's, a, it's a good hack. Yeah, because then they have very simple radios on them that are just broadcasting their mileage. Yeah, like that. All right, here's my first million dollar idea. Now, I, I I never went through with it because I don't know how to build websites, and that's problem number one. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm a big fan of the Amazon affiliate program. So the Amazon affiliate Ooh. program, it's it's how any deal website you've ever gone to or anytime anyone's tweeted in Amazon, like it's how they make money. So how it works is uh, anyone can sign up for it. And and if you find a product, you want to promote it, maybe you tweet it, maybe you write an article on it, or maybe you write a video on it, you put a link to that Amazon uh, product. And if somebody buys, if someone clicks on that link and then buys any product, you get a cut of their total sales. So when I wrote that bike article, my bicycle article, um, I have a script on my website that takes all Amazon links and then converts them into my own and all this other stuff. But like that article netted a lot, quite a lot of money because it got picked up on Hacker News. And then if people didn't buy the bike, let's say they bought a TV, I still get a cut of that. So Amazon mm. affiliate links, affiliate links in general, beyond Amazon, there's there's all sorts of networks and all this stuff. That's how the internet works, basically. A bunch of people are taking tiny cuts from every single time you click on anything. <laughs> You'll see it in in the URLs. You'll see the little ref things. And if I do tweet something, I usually do hashtag ref because then, you know, that's the legal. You have to do that. Anyways, my idea was this, was bigmoviedeals.com. I own the domain name and I've owned it for 20 years, <laughs> Frank. Um, this is a great idea. So good that you've never worked on it, but keep going. <laughs> million dollar idea because I'm a big fan of a website called cheapassgamer.com. They have a great podcast. Okay. Um, and they are a forum where people post video game deals and they have discussions around it and all this stuff, Black Friday, all this stuff. So I want to do something very similar, but for movies, because I'm, I'm I used to be a big cinephile, cinephile like a, a mm-hmm. movie movie person. And yeah. um, so I wanted to have a website that only did movie deals and that was it. And people could discuss movies and post things and stuff like that. And I would get affiliate revenue share from that. And I thought big movie deals, what a great domain name. That would be my million dollar idea. 
okay, uh, you're, you're going to have to sell a lot of deals. We're, we're, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't help but to interrogate people's ideas. Who's going to do all the sales for you? Where, where are you getting these big deals from, James? No, no they're all, aff- you didn't even listen to me, Frank. They're all affiliates. I listened to the affiliates, it's, Yeah, but, but they're the, not all, deals. <laughs> all the links. Um, so here's how it would work. People would go find when a movie was on sale on Target.com or Best Buy uh, or Amazon. They would share that. I would promote that on the front page. They would, people would mm-hmm. click on it. I would get the affiliate money from that sale. Ah, your users did the work. Got it. Absolutely. Love well, it. I mean, I would, you know, I would try to. Runs itself. It runs exactly. Yes, yeah. Okay. I feel like you could do this in Blazor pretty nicely, pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's all get James to do this. Didn't you do point. this with some... Um, the uh, build a quadcopter thing. Yeah, actually, pretty similar. Um, <laughs> it wasn't deals though; it was just um, shopping and assembling a quadcopter, and then it would try to give you performance characteristics. I still like the idea. It's just hard to keep up with the catalog. There you go. All right, here we go from Christopher. Now this this question is generic, so I'll let you interpret it however you want. Ha. Light or dark theme. Or neither. Dark theme. Um, and I, I think I didn't understand your open to interpretation, but I, you gave me a little clue earlier. You're distinguishing between the operating system and the IDE and things like that. Yeah. Um, no, because just consistency, because once you have something dark, all the white windows are so bright and so painful, you adjust to the dark. And so for no other reason than to save my poor little eyeballs, consistency, consistency, consistency. And I wasn't a dark person before. I happily used Bright Mac. I always loved Bright Mac. It's very cute. But I don't know. Dark mode's pretty. I get to see 8 million different shades of black. Somehow, I never knew there were so many grays in the world, but every app uses a different set of grays. That's always interesting to see. And uh, I just dig it. Maybe I'll grow out of it, but for now, I dig it. All right. So I'm all over the place, to be honest with you. So my (laughs) phone, my phone, it is in the daytime, nighttime setting mode. Crazy. That's like chaotic. That's anarchist lifestyle right there. A uh, friend of the show, Joseph, I believe, also lives that crazy lifestyle. I don't know how you do it. I just opened up iMessage. It is in lightning mode <laughs> right now. Mm. Insane. <laughs> I, I would hate it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I, I do this. and So every single app I open, it's, it's there. So I use system default based on time of day. That's what I use. All my apps are there. Now, I do get very upset when an app doesn't theme Redfin. Guilty. Not having a mm-hmm. light or dark theme. Listen, people, it's Zen 2022. We need to have <laughs> we need to have light and dark themes for every website too, because there's nothing worse than lying in bed, opening up a news article it's like, <laughs> in your face, right? Okay, um, so you agree with me on that point? Yeah, I please will say it. just just for usability, please put a dark theme on your website. Yeah, I will say I am websites, apps, everything. I am guilty though of not doing it for Island Tracker because I was lazy. But now that I have everything down to a science, that's the way to go. Now for my IDE, um, mostly people have yelled at me about my streaming. I usually use default blue, which is not light. That's it's blue theme in Visual Studio. That's actually my favorite theme, but I've been using dark theme mostly because when I'm streaming, people are sitting close to their monitors. However, when I'm presenting at a conference, 
light theme because of the contrast when people are far away, it's easier to read the um, um, dark text on, on the light background with bigger fonts. So if you're presenting at a conference, yeah. always blue theme. It doesn't have to be light theme. Light theme is like yelling mm-hmm. at you in your face um, and, and very bright whites. But the blue theme is, is blue. It, it's, I mean, it is a, a white I, you know, editor, but um, it's that. And, and then um, my Mac is also always on dark, or dark mode right yeah. now. And Windows is also in dark mode. But I'll tell you what, I can't tell half the difference because like you said, every website, no website has a dark mode to it. So it's <laughs> it's might as well be. And Notepad doesn't have a dark theme to it. So, you know, whenever that comes, then we're full on themes. Well, at least GitHub finally got it. Mm. You know, Ooh. it's okay. Interesting. You GitHub know- for me, always light theme. I never go dark theme on it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love their dark theme. I think there's some mistakes with it, but I think they'll improve it over time. So I'm not too worried about that. Twitter. I, I do. Always light theme. Weirdo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what is wrong with you, James? I, I, I get I get having a difference for a distinction. Like yeah, I could see like all the media apps or communication apps being light mode. I could see an argument for doing that. Did you see the new setting in OS 10, 11, 12, Monterey? What are we up to? 12. <laughs> Uh, every app can now choose an accent color, just like on iOS. Ah. So you, uh, so now it's a little bit more multicolor in the Apple world. It used to be so simple. There were no options, <laughs> just one option. What, what color do you want your buttons? But now you, the operating system's getting a bit colorful. That's awesome. That's how Android's been forever, which is great. It's all coming together. It's weird on a desktop though. Um, I think UWP apps like Windows Store apps had a theme. I forget how much the operating system reflected it though, outside of the Chrome. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. Next question uh that we have here is back to Samir. What are you most excited for in the second half of 2021? I am most excited to see absolutely zero third wave of COVID and the world will move on and life will get back to normal. Uh, Mr. Optimistic. I'm looking forward to. Wow. Yep. Well, that, so that, that's my life one, uh, technology wise, I don't think too much is happening. So good stability times. I want to see the M2 or M1X processor come out at some point. But honestly, I don't have high hopes that's going to happen in the second half of 2021. I think it would have happened now-ish. I don't know. Who can guess timelines? But aside from that, world peace, you know, that kind of stuff. That's good. I like that little world peace. Uh, Olympics. We got Olympics coming up. We'll be, I'll be fascinated to see how that happens. I'm, I don't really I'm like a little the Olympics. I'm out of touch. But... Where, where, where are we doing the Olympics? In Japan, still. Okay. <laughs> I'm that out of touch that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. I can't believe they're actually doing them because, again, third wave. But, okay, great. They were doing, they were supposed to be last year. Sure. It's and even. They weren't. Multiples of four. It's Correct. like leap year, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how the Olympics work. Mm-hmm. I so. I am... I am like you. I am optimistic. We hit, I think, 65% here in the States, and yet somehow 35% of people don't want to get a vaccine, in which most of the world can't get. It's very disheartening. But on a positive <laughs> note, uh, I am 
starting to feel a little bit better. I wrote my newsletter a, a little bit about some Ooh. recent travel I had to do, which got me on many, many flights. And thanks to the mask mandate, I felt really good about it. Not great about it, but I felt okay about it. I mean, I, I was fine wearing the masks. I did it the entire time, but I'm feeling a little bit better about being out, eating outdoors, not indoors. I'm still not there yet. I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little bit better. So I'm thinking this fall, if I look forward to the second half, I'm, I think the more vaccines and if we don't have a third 18th wave or whatever it is, yeah. then or that I would like to, I would like to really look for here. What I'm really looking forward to is if things are better then there's .NET Conf in November, which is a launch of .NET wow. 6, which is, would be very exciting for the second half of 2021. Um, so .NET Maui, I'm very excited about that. And maybe we could be in person and we could actually, you know, socially distance some of the, the, the .NET Conf, which has been virtual for the last. Oh, um, yes. I mean, thank you. Thank you for that. Because for some reason, like Maui is half released in my head. So like, yes, Maui, th- that is in the mobile space, the thing I'm looking forward to most because it's been a little bit uh, gray and fuzzy, but it'll, I think it'll be getting a 1.0 or something <laughs> last time I think I heard. So we'll be getting a good release and we can start really converting all our apps over to it and re-standardizing all that. And that does sound terrible, but I'm actually looking forward to it because new technology, all that stuff. I'm a weirdo. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited about it. I don't think the transition will be that drastic but i'll find out relatively soon i've been playing around with every preview i'm going to do a video by the time this is out it should be up on on preview five uh and there's a lot coming in preview six but also visual studio 2022 will be out this fall which will also be very exciting pairing nicely with on maui lots of improvements there on both windows and the mac 64-bit support on windows which is very exciting too um yeah i i I, it's it's hard to say i guess i'm looking forward to maybe seeing you again, maybe seeing <laughs> my family again. Uh, yeah. And having those interactions be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I, I don't know about that comfortable part. It's gonna take a while. I said a little I, bit I did. more. I said a little bit more, Frank. Not fully. <laughs> yeah. I said a little bit more. I did an outdoor seating restaurant for the first time and I was 80% comfortable, 75% comfortable. So yeah. it wasn't too bad. Uh, it's good to hear about the flying. I, I have to do some flying this summer. So uh, th- that'll be the big one for me. We'll see if I can just, yeah, pretend, all, pretend I'm not around diseased bags. <laughs> uh, I was, I did fly in and out of SeaTac, and SeaTac was so busy. So many people. Oh, more, yeah. It's just so many people. So many people. So I had to go, ooh, Side tangent. I, uh-huh. I I was there for a while because I had a layover and uh um I my gate that I needed to go to, there it was like a bunch of gates at the end of a thing, and it was so many people. It was like every like all the planes mm. were departing at the same time. And I was like, I got two hours, I am out of here. I'm going to the end gates, the north satellite, yeah. which they recently redid. Stunning because there's no international flights. So nobody's there. It's great. That's what you can do. Oh, that is really funny. I have spent ridiculous amount of times in those North Satellite gates. I, I had one of those like sleeping in the airport adventures there mm. twice <laughs> where I've just had to kill like 10 hours at the North Seattle gates and they get quiet and they get quite fine. You're absolutely right. Nothing wrong with them. I am a fan. All right. Schnobs over here on our discord. 
Now, Frank did not know about this because Frank isn't on the internet, I guess. Um, mm. We are recording this on the 22nd. And on the 24th of June, one day before my birthday, Microsoft decided to um, do a Windows developer event or a Windows event. Now, Ooh. it is just a Windows event. However, there's been a bunch of leaks online. So what we know <laughs> from the leaks, I, I work at this company and this podcast will come out after so I can always edit this stuff. But anyways, they're saying it's a Windows 11 event. Hence, uh-huh. if you look at the website, the the Windows, they form in 11. That makes a lot of sense. And it's starting at 11 a.m. Oh, Eastern. That makes a lot of sense, it. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did. I did happen to catch. I did not know about the Windows event, but I did happen to see the Windows 11 leak. And I, I was uh, snarky enough to post a snarky tweet about it because there there are a few things that look like they have a dock now and i wanted to make fun of microsoft for having a dock just like apple but we'll see because you know what's a leak how old is the build they're definitely not showing it off um the way it's meant to be shown off by someone who knows where all the new features are and everything and how they go together so i'm definitely going to tune into this one Thank goodness I'm really bad at time zones. 11 a.m. Eastern is 8 a.m. for me. Yeah. 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 Great. 8 a.m. event. I can do it. It'll be worth it for Windows. Yes. I'm excited about it. I will be up and ready. It's on my calendar. And yeah, you know, I think um, like if if I read the Verge article, they talk about how Windows 10X what is no longer shipping, right? Because that was going to be for dual screen devices, but the Windows mm. division pivoted due to COVID, which makes a lot of sense. There's been tons of work going into Windows, all new icons, updates to settings. If, if, every time I'm getting an update, it feels fresher. There's this new thing in the most recent update that on the bottom right, I can click on and it gives me weather data, stock data, like, like top stories and traffic data, and, and I can customize it. And it's kind of like a homepage for me, kind of, which is nice. So I'm hoping more customization. Like I kind of want my operating system to be a little bit more personalized towards my life where like widgets could do that a little bit more. You know, didn't we have widgets in like Vista and previous versions (laughs) of Mac OS? Like I kind of want, I think widgets are back. I think widgets are back, Frank. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they actually come up with a widget model or like, you know, like, can I buy an app in the store that does it? Because I've done taskbar programming on Windows before. It's not hard, actually. You just like register a function, create a menu, somehow register it with the operating system. Um, But it'll be interesting to see if that becomes a more important user interface idiom, that kind of thing, how you're supposed to actually use it. I, I'm I'm always curious about Windows updates because they have that trick of they definitely have a style in mind, but at the same time, it's customizable. I'm sure, James, if you tried hard enough, you could probably get an ActiveX desktop running a web page with embedded Java controls on it. You know, I, they're so good about backwards compatibility. I'm pretty sure you could get that in your desktop. So the real question is, what technology would we use for these kinds of widgets and things like that? Hopefully, you really think this will be a developer event and not just a uh, check check out our new cool operating system event? Yeah, I don't know. Well, actually, what I'm seeing right now, spoiler alert, is that Uh-oh. there is another event at Uh-oh. 3 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, which is the developer event. Okay, cool. That's actually uh, cool. Wow. Okay. okay. I didn't know this. 
Perfect. So they're they're giving us a recess. Yeah. But oh no, now we can't record the show right after <laughs> the one. Now we have to wait till the next one. Yeah. So we'll we'll do. We we I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, I you know, I'm inside inside the Microsoft, but I don't yeah. work in these divisions. So I, I honestly don't right. know. And I don't I don't dog food. I'm a bad dog fooder. I don't dog food any of our <laughs> things. So I actually don't know. I, I don't know. Um well very much. Count yourself lucky. I used to work uh i used to work on windows so would dog food all the operating systems and james there were months where the operating system was just upside down when you installed it for no other reason it was just upside down <laughs> so you'd, you'd get some really funny builds sometimes so it's, it's fun to dog food they have like those insider previews and all of that but as far as i know this has not hit any of those insider previews this has just been internal internal yeah. and so maybe there'll be a preview available after the event we'll see that'd be cool what i'm really hoping for is if this version of windows is even thinner than what? windows 10 <laughs> and what i mean by that is you know on my surface go my little device, I recently updated to the most recent version of Windows, and it seems to be getting faster with optimizations. Oh. So I'm hoping that this is even thinner, cl- thinner OS client mm-hmm. that will run faster on my poor little Surface Go that I did take on this flight. And it, it held up pretty well. I, so I want, I, you know, I do like that machine a lot. And I know that there are a lot of people that I was listening to Tech Meme Ride Home, and he was complaining mm. that he bought a Windows machine and like, this and the trackpad and the OS and the thing and the thing is like, well, you know, what did you buy? You know, and, and mm-hmm. did it have a bunch of, did you buy one that had a bunch of junk on? And of course is what trackpad, you know, there's only certain devices, but there's a lot of people that buy like Chromebook esque devices that are running windows that are running Celeron processors. How do you make those run amazing? And, and I don't, I don't know if that's a, uh, if that's going to be some parts you know, of this event or not, but I would love that some thin down client. <laughs> yeah, that's always been a tricky part with Windows 2, pre-installed apps and all of that. I actually find it very rewarding to get like a computer from the store that has all that junk installed and to slowly methodically go through and uninstall it all and get the operating system back to like a very clean state. I used to, whenever I'd buy a new computer, wipe it out and start from scratch that way. But I learned to go in the other directions actually a little bit better because you never know what some of these random uh, crazy drivers are. Like you can never get those touchpads to work as good ever again if you don't use the drivers that come with the computer, that kind of stuff. I actually enjoy that part. I know it's not for everyone, but they're they're always working on improving it. But it's a fine, fine balancing act they're doing there with all their partners. It's very true. It is impressive when you think about it. At the end of the day, it's it's a very wide gambit. Yeah, of pe- people install Windows on everything. <laughs> people <laughs> like build I their own was machines. debating. <laughs> I was debating whether to put this on a VM or something. Then you mentioned the Go. I'm like, yeah, my Surface Go would love it. I now I'm really hoping there's going to be a preview. But if not, if they're doing an announcement, like August used to be the classic Windows release time. But we'll see. There must be a preview coming out before the end of the year, at least I would imagine. I'd hope so. All right, last question. This is from James Montemagno in the chat. Uh, he asks, <laughs> if you could go back in time, Frank Krueger, and uh-huh. change one thing in your development of BalanceBot that you know now that you wish you knew earlier, what would it be? Uh, s- sensors are very noisy. 
and you can filter, 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 and you think you're filtering, but you're not filtering, and you gotta just filter more <laughs> because it turns out all sensors are terrible. In particular, James, accelerometers. They are the absolute worst. Gyros, I love you, gyros. Accelerometers, you are the worst. So I wish I did not have the false belief that accelerometers were at all a viable sensor. That is, uh, th- th- no, I, I can contest that, uh, that sensors are very noisy. Um, mm-hmm. GPS, very noisy um, it, to, for, for most things. Sometimes the operating system can, 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 can factor out different things, but GPS can also be very noisy and bop around. Um, we were building a, a driving app many, 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 many builds ago or ignites ago. And mm-hmm. it's called my driving. Cause you just put my in front of everything and it's great. And, <laughs> I love it. uh, and this was cool because this application, I worked with like James and Pierce Bogan on this and a bunch of other people. It was cool. It was, you could put in an OBD sensor. That was the thing that reads the sensor data from your car and, uh, over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, it would stream the data to your phone And that would give you information of how fast you're accelerating or braking. And then you could tie that into the GPS and we would track your drive and feed that into IOT hub that would process your data to see if you're hard braking or hard stopping, kind of like those uh, insurance app do. And Mm -hmm. that all that data, all the, all the things that are coming back are so noisy with all sorts of (laughs) stuff. You really got to filter stuff out. I mean, even for my little cycling app, you know, this little tiny accelerometer or gyro or whatever's in there, the cadence sensor, right? The 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 data can be noisy and you got to filter out the highs and the lows and and uh try to do some some guesstimating in there. You know, is has it been really high for for 10 times? Is that too much? Is it 3 times too much? <laughs> like, oh, what if it's is it zero? Did they stop or did you just get a bad read? Yeah, and it's hard because I try not to have too many magic numbers in my code. Like when you look at control code for robots and things like that, there's just random numbers everywhere. 0.01, 0.02, 0.125, you know, just random numbers. What do they mean? I don't know. When when I put these numbers there, it worked. I feel a little bit that way with my filter, so I don't absolutely love it. I think that the fact that the robot is balancing is a small stroke of miracle. It's not 100% because of my skill. (laughs) There's a lot of luck involved there that I happened upon some numbers that were controllable. But the neat thing is now that I have some controllable numbers, I can start looking at the graphs and playing with the filter values to um, really refine it down to what I want. The problem I had before was all of my logs were of the robot falling over. So it takes it 1.5 seconds to fall over. So all my logs were 1.5 seconds long. And there was just not much you could learn from those logs. Now that I have the robot actually functioning, I can take a more critical look at why it's functioning. Now I have a pro case. I never had a pro case before. And I can do a better job. Nice. That's awesome. See, the more you know, Frank. Yeah. Um, it turns out, even though you think you know something, you, you really got to build it to find out if you do. And don't forget the little details, everyone. Linearize your inputs. That was the other big mistake I made. Make sure you linearize your inputs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we may or may not do a Windows 11 recap. I feel like we should probably do that at some point. Maybe we'll do a special episode or we'll just tack it on to the end of this. 
you'll find out pretty soon. But that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Don't forget that we have all the things over at MergeConflict.fm, our Twitter accounts, our Patreon page, and of course, every single podcast. You can share that with your friends and tell them to subscribe. We'd appreciate that. Oh, and you can leave a review too. You can do all the things. That's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.